Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Welcome to Beneath the Surface. Glad you could join us today. Paul Morano here with my guest, Mr. John Tudorus. John, how are you? Hello. Good to see you again. Welcome to back, back to welcome back to Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meets, where truth, life, and love are one. We are going to delve into number 14 of our series on the Creed called The Creed Beneath the Surface our 14th installment. So if you want to see all the installments, all 14 of them, and those that are going to be in the future, go to my YouTube page, just Google Paul Morano at uh, Beneath the Surface with Paul Morano, or you can go to my uh, personal page at paulmorano.com. Um, again, tonight we delve beneath the surface on the line of the creed relating to the ascension. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Mr. John Tudorus, how are you? Great. What's new? Anything? The day, the work, the Christmas is coming. And yes. we are in Advent. We yes. are totally in Advent. Happy Advent, Mr. John. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, waiting for it to be more penitential. To, well, well, you don't wait for that. You 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 make it happen, don't you? Well, I, I think maybe it's because it's uh, kind of has this lost feeling. Like, like it's like a Lent light, and most people don't even think of it that way. Uh, well, when people think Lent, they're like, okay, do some penance. Advent yeah. doesn't really feel that. Way. And then when you know about it and you want to do it, but then you don't feel this momentum with the. Uh, the whole church doing it with you. Well, I would say that it is different than Lent because Advent is anticipatory. It Lent, is. Lent is penitential. Advent I mean, used to be very penitential. It can be used penitentially, no question. In fact, many years ago, I yeah. think we did a show on it too. Yeah. Anyway, tonight we delve beneath the surface on he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That that one line in the creed we're just going to spend the whole show on tonight and i tell you what john it's it has been something that i've been as you know been thinking about for for a long time i'm just wondering about i guess and i want to delve beneath the surface with you on it because just the fact that the the creed says he ascended into heaven speaks of an upness a northness if you will a direction a spatial direction 
is is heaven up and what does it mean to ascend to heaven mm. yeah that's lots of good stuff well if you want to uh maybe put in perspective uh there's two uh scripture passages uh one from luke is a shorter one and the slightly yeah. longer is from acts and they cover the ascension so that i think can put it into context uh so right here they're both from the revised standard version catholic edition uh, translation. Uh, so first one, Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. Okay. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So that is... Okay, so that relates heaven to upness. Yes. Okay. Parted from them and was carried up into up, heaven. Up into heaven. Now, doesn't Matthew say something about a cloud? Uh, or, or is that Acts talking about? Yes, it, Acts is, okay. uh, fills in a few more details. Okay. And uh, for those who aren't aware, Acts, which is like Luke part two, um, is said to have also been written by Luke. Um, so here is Acts chapter one, verses six through 11. Okay. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Mm. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why, are you, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, I need to stop you there. Into, uh, they're looking into heaven. Now, th this, I mean, this relates to the whole, the, the whole question and problem of, of upness with, with regard to heaven. Sure. When you look up in the sky, you're looking up into heaven. Yeah. What do you mean, yes? I mean, isn't there a difference between... <laughs> so there's, so there's, a, both I, I end, there's it, a both end here, and it's, and, it's, and it's done analogously. So the well, the well, we... but in, but in some ancient languages, uh, the, the 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 same the same word for sky is the word that we use for heaven. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this, and and why is there a why not isn't isn't there an absolute essential ascension between the physical sky that we see in the created universe and the spiritual heaven that we understand to be. Well, for what, one, the spirit is. has no matter, and right. all of our knowledge is comes through sense wonder. Meaning, we we interact with our senses, and then we wonder about the causes, these things that we see, and so we want to know more. But it's all rooted in our sense interaction with things. I mean, we are uh, what Aristotle would term a hylomorphic reality, where spirit and matter composite, if you will, and we need we need our physical senses in, in our current state we need these physical well, senses i understand the Arist ourselves the aristotelian thomistic understanding of knowledge is that it first comes through the senses and then our mind extracts the essence of it 
or the whatness, and we understand what are what the the species of being is. So, so those essences that we abstract in our minds are not physical, per se. So then, why, in other words, why do we use the physical term sky, or, or, or you know the why do many languages still use that term for what we understand to be heaven? And tell me the difference between the heavens and heaven. Well, um, perhaps we can start with just a, a tiny bit of etymology. Uh, so we actually uh, did a little research here, Oxford English Dictionary. We have English, we have as heaven. Uh, Latin, if um, my Latin is probably very poor, coelum, uh, C-O-E-L-U-M. And both have two meanings in common. Chalum. Yeah. Uh, Chalum, thank you. Uh, your Latin is a little better than mine. Actually, probably <laughs> a lot. Uh, one is the sky, the firmament, the celestial spheres. So that would be what we term the heavens. Uh, and that's very ancient, very, uh, giving uh, well before Christ. Um, in fact, even Aristotle refers to that as well. But, but in a sense, that's what the, the, the men in white or the angels were saying to the, the, the disciples. Why yeah. are you looking? But, but they said, why are you looking into heaven where Jesus went? So did Jesus go into the sky or did he go into or did he ascend into heaven? I would say both. Both. You, you really think both. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if anything... God is so great and awesome at giving us layers and layers. Well, I understand, but what does, the, I, I'm, just give me a straight answer to this. What does the sky have to do with heaven? It points in algacy to a higher reality. The sky is not necessarily a higher reality. Right. I mean, spatially so, it might be. So, compared so first, to the earth. Let me, first, let me give you. But, um, it's, but it's relative to the earth. Right, right. So right. first, let me give you meaning number two, which both the English and uh, Latin have in common, which is the abode of God and of the angels and saints in his presence, traditionally right. conserved as beyond the sky. Uh, so and actually, and of course, you know, one of the key figures here, which helps maybe unlock some of this metaphorical or allegorical language is Thomas Aquinas. Um, here's a spot from the Summa. Uh, it can be said that although to ascend does not belong to divine nature properly, yet it can metaphorically. Yet it can. And of course, we know the, the physical realm. God is creator of nature. He can do what he wants with it. Uh, for example, post-resurrection, he passes through the, the locked door. Oh, I understand all that. But, but, but for there to be a metaphor, there has to be something similar. So what is the similarity between the sky that we see, which is really simply the sky? I mean, it's not even outer space. So, we, so we, that we, goes wait, to One the... second. We, we get to see outer space at night, but we only get to see the sky during the day. So, so tell me the, the similarity between what we see in the physical sky versus what we understand to be heaven. So you're saying sky is only daytime and... The heavens, the celestial bodies, is only at night. Well, we we only other than the moon, we only we we only get to see outer space at night, don't we? Largely with unaided with the unaided eye, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and this you know this really brings us to what I was going to get into the near future here, and that is what the ancients and even Saint Paul referred to as the third heaven or three heavens, that there's more than one heaven, and and some of the um, 
some of the pre-modern minds I, I understood this to mean that the, the sky and what we see during the day anyway is is the first heaven and outer space you know the abode of the stars and so forth is the second heaven and then even above that and i use the word above metaphorically um even that that which transcends that is the third heaven which is not physical part of the physical universe at all in my understanding and that simply is the abode of god yeah. which, which through which nothing else well i won't even say nothing else exists because you could make the argument that angels and saints exist in that abode or or do angels and saints dwell in the first or the second heaven as we were just mentioning well i mean here i mean we're could break down even further, Aquinas would say that eternity, which presumably is what you're referring to, is proper only to God, uh, in so right. much as that it's not a place, but actually his being. It's yeah. one with it's one with who he is. Uh, angels who have no matter by their nature um, would not experience time the way we do, because... Differently, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they're not eternal either. They're everlasting, but they had a beginning. Correct. Yeah. Correct. They had and and, and and they're finite beings and finite beings. Yeah. Uh, and he would he would term that type of existence as ab eternity. Right. So uh, a, a kind of time in between what we experience and the eternity of God. Right. But they don't okay. experience time the way we do. Yeah. However, they can interact. But this notion of three layers of heaven and in some other other religions and you know, modes of thinking have it as seven layers of heaven the seventh heaven for example you've heard of that phrase before mm -hmm. and in some in some ways of thinking that's the ultimate in, in in happiness or fulfillment and then there are others that have 10 uh layers of heaven we understand in the modern world that religious people believe that there's one heaven do we not well i would say that is yes I suppose in, in, in the way that Dante envisioned many, oh, God bless you. Excuse me. Um, did, my many, nose, did my nose come off on that one? Is it still there? It's, it's still there. Yeah, okay. It's still there. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have it over here. <laughs> I've got your nose. Oh, boy. I'm a slick yeah. one, aren't I? Well, no, I still got it. It's still on. Oh, man. Yeah. Some Thought of my sneezes, you, you just never know. Anyway. I wonder if we lost people on yeah. that one. Anyway, so uh, so so seven heaven. Uh, so it makes me think of Dante's Inferno, where there are many layers of hell, right. and there that they or or when we think also the nine choirs of angels, yeah. which are representative to degrees in which the angelic are closer to God, which of course could be the, the truth here. When when people refer to different layers or different levels of heaven, they may be actually referring, of course, to one state of being which is the fullness of the presence of god i.e heaven but experienced on different levels because say a mother Teresa may experience more of the fullness of god than say you or i might i would totally agree with that yeah so mother Teresa's experience well, well, far more well that's just an <laughs> example but but levels of heaven might not be say what our imagination sees as, as different levels of heaven but rather different levels of participating in the life of god for all eternity 
by virtue of, and of course, this is another question, by virtue of the kind of life that we lived in this life. Yeah, I, uh, the way I recall it from uh, old school catechism hmm. was that uh, everyone who makes it to heaven makes it, and their cup, so to speak, is full. But the cups are of varying sizes, and uh, so someone who just makes it in by the skin of their teeth may have something analogous to a tiny little thimble, but that thimble is always full uh, to capacity with the, the love of God. Um, whereas you get someone on the way other end, like the Blessed Mother, and her cup is so big that even us in our f wouldn't be able to fathom how much she who is full of grace um, has uh, participation in the divine love of God. Which, of course, brings me to the next question, which really is a mystery, but you can take a shot at it, and that is, what determines the size of these cups? Um, is it the way that we choose... Uh, to the, the way that we use our free will in this life to choose charity or does god have something to do with creating the cups bigger in each uh, it's both actually you and the great mystery is why does god create a larger capacity in some than others well certainly he created some angels more magnificent than others uh the seraphim the burning ones uh versus the very lowly angels which are meant more to, uh, created more to dwell here. But, but then it's but, even- but is, is it possible that even that could have been the results of the level of yes in their will at, at their original- Well, one could, one could posit that. The counter would be that Satan was thought to be a seraphim himself by his nature and chose no. So, and then St. Michael being an archangel, which is the second uh, lowest rung of angels, um, chose yes in such a powerful way that these that he's head of the heavenly hosts. So, um, what say we to that? I would say that that, that yes, God gives us that nature, um, and certainly He also gives us the grace to fulfill that capacity to love Him in that extraordinary way. But He doesn't take away our free will, and even those who are given so much can still say no. And right, how so, terrible it is to say no when you were given so much. This is a very important tangent that I just want to talk about. That we'll probably get into that more when we get into um, life everlasting at the end of the creed. But for now, let's get back to the ascension. This this notion that that Christ goes up spatially. Yeah. Um, as if as if heaven is up there where he's going. Sure. Um, that seems to be like a, a childlike way of looking at heaven um, it is can you is. can you point to heaven the heavens yes to an immaterial place no <laughs> is heaven going to be or is heaven an immaterial place jesus and mary are glorified material right now are they not they are and that's great mystery jesus took human okay. nature upon so then how how can they be in heaven in the way that disembodied souls right now are in heaven i think that's the great mystery i don't think in this life it's it's actually pretty neat to ponder uh, but i don't think it's unless we actually get some sort of defining divine infusion of of data that mm. our human reason can't get to on our own uh, such as what happened in the first coming of Christ. For example, there's no way that we could have conceived God as Trinity. 
right. or that God would come down and take upon himself uh, human flesh. Right. It just well, Pope Benedict basically defines heaven as the fullness of the presence of Christ. And of course, since Christ is God, you can say the fullness of the life of God. That's yeah. heaven. It's not necessarily a place. It's a state of being to which if you are affected and filled with the fullness of the presence of life of the life of God, you are by, by definition in heaven. So, so to, my problem is when you point up to heaven as if heaven is up, you're saying God is out there, but he's not here. I thought God was everywhere. He is, he is. But if I may, uh, if we can borrow from our good friend, Thomas Aquinas again. Yes. All right, so here's another gem from the Summa. The more exalted place is due to the nobler subject, whether it be a place according to bodily contact as regards the bodies, or whether it be by way of spiritual contact as regards spiritual substances. Thus, a heavenly place, which is the highest of places, is becomingly due to spiritual substances since they are highest in the order of substances. So again, this goes okay. to that, the for, idea for of analogy. Audience, for, our, for our audience, uh, put that into English for them. Yeah, so basically uh, we, we see the heavens as something lofty and high. And so we relate Why? that. Why? Because Why? it's up there. <laughs> but we just said God is everywhere. It, and, and, and the definition of heaven is the fullness of presence of God. So how can you say that God is up there and not here? What do you mean he's up there? Well, I mean, and here we're talking, this is where distinctions come into play because now you're adding some different elements. So one, we can look at it from the, the standpoint of analogy, but if we shift over to... But, but how is analogously, why is he up there instead of here with us? Uh, well, it's not that he's up there and not here. God is everywhere. That's uh, the omnipresence of God. Okay. Then, right? why, then why do we say God is up here rather than God is over there or, or down here? Meaning H-E double hockey sticks? No, 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 no. I just mean, <laughs> I just mean like, okay, just go sideways then. Right. Why, 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 why do we see more of God up there and less of God over here? I think our fallen human nature needs that this is just my pure speculation okay that that we that we we need we need that something that takes us above our view of the earth why there's well there's something mysterious i mean think about like space right why why do even people want to go to space this barren rock called mars for example why does elon musk or anyone want to go there it's kind of neat to think about it but when I really, really think about like Mars, I'm like, nah, I think we got it really good here. But just the, but think about it, though, just the idea that there is all this stuff that we don't know about. It's absolutely mystifying, but we understand that it's the created universe. Yeah. Personally, I have a, I, I have a sort of a quasi theory about that. I think we were made for the universe i don't think oh we, i agree i don't think i agree we just, just made for the earth I, I think original sin got in the way uh, of us exploring cultivating and um, um co um what, what's the word i'm looking for adam and eve what did they what were they supposed to do with the earth they were supposed oh. to co-creators with god yeah uh, form with god's grace form the universe and cultivate it uh of course 
sin got in the way of that, I believe, and we haven't done that uh, up until this point. So I think that's why we yearn for the mystery of the created universe. But our intellects understands that the created universe is not heaven, don't they? I think so. Even outer space is not. But it depends on the, the degree that the intellect is formed. I mean, if, if we start from the, the, the two-year-old where they just start getting into the why phase, I mean, automatically that, that two-year-old natural philosopher is thinking up in the sky. They're abstracting this upness. Even though, as you, as you well note, that what is, what is upness here on Earth is not necessarily upness in relation to all the celestial bodies. So you're, you're telling me that you think a two-year-old would intuitively believe that God and heaven are up? No, but I even, think... Even, that, if, even if they weren't... I wouldn't say that, that they think God is up, but I would say they would more naturally grasp the comparison, even if they can't describe it or intellectualize the various steps, that they in, intuit the analogous relationship between the loftiness of the sky or the heavens or stars and the wonder that that, that, that elicits within a human person with the, the loftiness of God in comparison to us. There's something almost intuitive. I think of my own childhood, uh, which, you know, thankfully I, I still have enough in my, in my memory and then the impressions that I get from, I suppose, looking around at others too, is that it was, far more intuitive in in my less well-developed intellect and with a lot less data uh, than I do have now to say yeah I, I can see that you know heaven is heaven is up you know there's these sort of dir direction and they are related to what Aquinas is, is referring to here that there is a type of uh, loftiness there's another spot here for example uh, where he says that the higher place is assigned to the worthier you know, if we think, again, again, why is highness in earthly things? Why are thrones what, elevated? That, that's what I'm going to say. That's, why that's, 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 what I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. Why do you call a king your highness? Um, why are thrones elevated? I, I don't, I don't intellectually understand this. Why is that more godly than being down here? Why isn't God as much here as he is there? You know what's going to happen eventually, Paul, is you're going to have to write a whole big giant thesis, a book about 300 pages long about the theology of upness. Well, I, I'd like to one of these days, but, but I need to at least grasp it, <laughs> grasp it first. Well, this, 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 this wondering is, is what causes people to write such books. I, th it bothers me a little too because after the resurrection, at least according to St. Paul in Catholic tradition, that the entire universe, all of creation is going to be caught up in the fullness of the presence yeah. of God. And all things will be trans transformed. Not only human bodies will be glorified, but I, it seems like at least that all of God's creation will be glorified. Whatever, whatever that means, of course, it's a mystery, but all of creation will be caught up into, uh, into this and what we, into the fullness of the presence of God and what we will be living uh, God willing, uh, if we are in heaven, what we will be living for all eternity is is this 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 creation will be a part of that. So so to say that God is like somewhere else and points somewhere else, that sort of negates this wonderfulness of 
this, what we can see, this concreteness becoming transformed in part of heaven for all eternity. See what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, it, it's, maybe we should uh, dip a little more into a couple scripture passages. Okay. Uh, one is from Colossians, St. Paul's letter to Colossians, chapter three, verses one through two. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Mind the things that are above, not the things that are upon the earth. Look, the only thing I can understand that that means, intellectually anyway, is that Christ is above sin. Maybe when people think of the earth, they think of sin, because sin has now tainted the earth because of us, beginning in Adam. Mm. So, so maybe this whole aboveness thing uh, is important because it, it lifts God, in a sense, above human foible, about, uh, above human sin. And God, of course, wherever there's sin, there is uh, God and sin are the opposite, because sin is evil and God is perfect goodness. So, so maybe in lifting our minds above sin, which earth is filled with, we can, we can intuit God a little better. Does that make any sense? It actually does. It does indeed. And I would just add on too. So that passage from St. Paul's letter to Colossians also Aquinas referenced that as well as sort of a, uh, a biblical reference. And then he follows up that a passage from uh, Matthew uh, chapter six, verse 21, where thy treasure is, there is thy heart also. Hmm. So if our if our treasure is what is above in Christ, that is where our heart is, and that we think of our will. Where do we desire to not just a diet desire like in a natural way, like a like a yearning, but in that where do we enter into with our will that we what what is the good that we are choosing to do? I understand, but if if Christ is above then how can we say that Christ is in the Eucharist? And how can we say that Christ is in his people, the people of God, the church? How can mm. we say this if he's above? <clears throat> and why do we use the word above instead of with us? Yeah, uh, well, let's maybe do a tiny little more dip into scripture. So there's uh, Aquinas brings another passage just from John chapter 16, verse seven. The Holy Ghost is love drawing us up to heavenly things. Therefore, our Lord said to his disciples, it is expedient to you that I go, for if I go not, the paraclete will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So here he's, he's explicitly noting that, uh, or rather implicitly by this statement, that we don't have the power to go on our own. But the Holy Spirit, who is God, third person of the Holy Trinity, is actually drawing us up. God is drawing all men to himself and by men. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by up? Uh, well, up to heavenly things. So again, there's this, this loftiness of worthiness. So let, me, let me say it in a way that I can understand. God is drawing us past the realm of sin. He's yes. drawing us above what sin has, um, has, has destroyed. Yeah. So that we can understand purity of being. And yeah, what, and what heaven will be like, or to use another term, holiness. All men are called to holiness. That purity that you're referring to, that cleanness of heart that allows us to see God as He is without medium. But we have to somehow our minds have to rise above sin in order for that to occur. And we can't do that on our own. 
we actually need God in order to do that. Right, so then maybe we can say this, that all of this upness and aboveness language that we use is analogous to enable the mind to rise above sin so that we can see reality as it is. Ooh, that's which so is, philosophically which cool is, of you to say that. Which ultimately is God himself. <laughs> yeah, put that on a t-shirt in like two paragraphs. <laughs> like, you're too close. I can't believe it. I, I should have made the font bigger. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so to get back to this line, he ascended into Jesus, uh, the risen Jesus, ascended into heaven. Now, he couldn't have done that in, 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 unless he rose from the dead, obviously. He ascended into heaven and is, let's go to the second part of this, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Now, now I, I don't have too much of a problem with this, believe it or not. I, I understand that God doesn't have hands because he's pure spirit right. and, and he's infinite being. But I, I do understand the metaphor there because it's it's an ancient metaphor that if you you know if you stand at my right hand, in a sense you are my number one guy, or you're my co-equal. And, ah, and in this yeah. sense, and in this sense, you can see that that the son is co-equal to the father. He sits at his right hand. I understand that metaphor. Your your thoughts? Uh, no, that that's actually a good insight because it's also uh, from the side, which also is an indication of equality rather than uh, above or below, which again is pointing, going back to coyness would be something loftier, might be deemed more worthy uh, than one that is lower. Um, in addition, um, oh, well, actually, I'll, there's uh, two, uh, two that come up here. Again, I'll just uh, dip a little into coyness. Uh, it says God seat, and this goes to not just the, um, whether it's Jesus on the right hand or above or below, but rather, what does it mean to be seated? Again, there's no actual seats in right in heaven that we're aware of, not like we have, that you and I are sitting on now. I'll give you my but thought says, after yours. Well, well, I'm going to borrow from Aquinas and then a quick one from Fulton Sheen, too. So Aquinas says, God's seat is said to be in heaven, not as though heaven contained him, but rather because it is contained by him which is very interesting. Hence, it is not necessary for any part of heaven to be higher, but for him to be above all the heavens, according to Psalm 8, 2, for thy magnificence is elevated above the heavens, O God. And, so that's and, a and, and there, above the heavens means what? Uh, that, that's, uh, that the, as much as in a natural way, we may wonder at the heavens, um, at it's magnificence, the power, and the celestial bodies. God, God that trans that, transcends that, that. God transcends all of that. Then Fulton Sheen, interestingly enough. Um, well, God created it, so obviously that's right. he's going to transcend it. Absolutely, absolutely. But our, but in our, in in our discursive type of knowledge, where we start, as Aristotle so correctly uh, uh, understood by the things of this world, and then we can progress upwards, not everyone quite gets up there. So to to have these type of the imagery, um, I suppose analogous to the way the Holy Spirit may draw souls up, so too our reason almost desires to want to be drawn up as well too. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Fulton Sheen. Can I just say something about... Yes just sort of a, a natural occurrence that happens in human beings, even though they don't um, consciously 
do it. And that is, why when people are extremely excited, do they jump up? Think about it for a second. Hmm. Like when, when, when a team wins a championship, what are they doing? They're jumping up. They're, they're, they're reaching up and jumping up. You know what who are, doesn't jump what, up? What are, what are, Sumo wrestlers who win and right. offensive linemen. Oh, no. Well, they can't. I hear you. But, but, but what, what do you think that the heart is intuitively or unconsciously doing there? When one is elation. Elation, yeah. So, so what does elation have to do with up? In other words, why doesn't the body go down and, and do something else? Rather, it jumps up. Mm. Isn't, that, isn't that interesting? It is. It is. It reminds me just a little bit of uh, uh, that pithy quote from G.K. Chesterton, angels are able to fly because they take themselves so lightly. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here about, about a natural occurrence that might, be point, that might be pointing to something supernatural. Yeah, well, you that, know. That we're in, actually in reaching, when we're at the top of our joy, we reach for heaven, it seems. Yeah. But, but that, of course, that goes everything against my idea that heaven is no more up than it is here. Well, you because, know, because because God is everywhere. I, I think Chesterton, in his humor, perhaps was on something, mm. um, in that the the good angels are not bogged down by sin. What do you mean? Not, no angel is bogged down by sin. What do you mean? Well, the the fallen angels. Oh, are, are, are you mean yeah, the demons? Like lightning, they fell to the earth. Sure. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, right. it's it's like shackles. Sin is like shackles. And then when you when you're not bogged down by that, there's a, a freedom, a freedom to move about. Adam and Eve before sin, did they have this freedom? And what did it look like? Naturally they did. They did. Now they didn't float. No, they didn't. I, I don't think they did I my two cents is that their their natural capacity when it's infused with the supernatural absolutely have the ability to do all sorts of flying that'll make Superman look like be a toddler. You think Adam and Eve had this gift um, before sin? I, I I think the glorified body will be able to do a lot. Yeah, of the, that, glorif that the stuff glorified body. More. So it's infused with supernatural grace, yes, but not on a natural level. But on a natural level, still, what they had was far more substantial than what you and I but, have but, now. But Adam and Eve did not sin, so sin didn't enter the world, and what we were talking about earlier, sin did not permeate the earth like it does, like it is now. Therefore... Yeah, Pre-fall, pre there was no yeah. sin. So therefore, yeah. is there any, any, any relevance to saying that God is up, because there is no sin between us and God at that point, before Adam sinned? Ooh! Oh, I, I get where you're going because yes. see where I'm getting, Adam, coming from. Adam here? was walking in the garden, and there yeah. was this type. There was a a union. Yeah, it was almost like a natural union, if yes. you will. Yes, uh, with and God, a, who was yeah, a, but a very substantial natural union. Chapter three, so, uh, just to tell the audience what we're talking about, it, it was it, scripture says that God was walking in the breezy time of day. God was walking through the garden. And then said, "Adam, where are you?" And of course, Adam yes. was Adam was hiding at that time because he was ashamed. But but there was this sense that this is what God did on a, on a normal, regular basis. He was with Adam in the garden, as if there was no separation. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is an excellent, excellent point. Pre-fall, this type of distinction, this loftiness, probably didn't, at least not the reasonably, I, I one could probably conclude. I mean, may, well, one is that the, even though Adam would have had a far greater natural intellect than you and I, he would not have had the benefit of the literally many millennia of discursive knowledge built up from generation to generation that's passed right. on. So he wouldn't have had the type of buildup we have here, but in his natural capacity, um, yeah, that is, would he have ever actually gotten to that point of, of thinking of God as up as analogous to worthiness or, or greaterness or anything of that nature? Yeah, I would venture to guess that, that the, the notion that God is with us and God is with me and God is everywhere was probably more solidified in the human being before sin than yeah. after sin. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and then there becomes this type of searching in the human for something mm -hmm. that it's missing. Yeah. There you go. And it all has to do with sin. So I think, <laughs> I, I think we, we've come up with an answer here. And that well, is, you, you started it, but I, I like what you started. Yeah, that that upness relates to our need as human beings, as, as images of God, to rise above the realm of sin, that which we have tainted, in order to really understand and, 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 and be who we're meant to be. For, right. those who are, for those at home who are listening, Paul has had these up questions ever since I've known him, which is what, now 15 <laughs> years or so? Uh, yeah. I've, had, I've had a lot of questions ever and since. And I'm sure you me. had them well before yeah. you met me. So <laughs> so uh, any last thing to say about this, oh. line of, this line in the creed? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. and, I'm, and I'm glad you interrupted me before I went into Fulton Sheen because I really like uh, where you went with that um, on the the uh hmm. the pre-sin versus uh uh post-original sin in man uh so fulton sheen why the seat and here he would say the word seated here means repose after conflict so if we think of like an old testament conqueror a king ah. and there's a battle and oh. then he's seated oh, yeah. not because he's tired god of course um in his fulton sheen way <laughs> says does that mean he was tired certainly it did not imply his creative arm was weary yeah. <laughs> um but it's really it's the the type of symbolism to say that the conflict it was finished what so, he so he, jesus conquered death uh and now he is seated as a as, as the victor uh, at the right hand of, of the father as being co-equal to the father because of course the three right. persons of god are, are co-equal to each other um um, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, which will be next week or next next beneath the surface, not this one. So that's something to look forward to. Our next beneath the surface is this notion of Jesus as judge. A lot of people think, well, Jesus is my friend. You know, you know, and God doesn't judge us. Well, we'll talk about that next beneath the surface. Mm. For now, any last words on this one? Uh no, I'm just glad we went down the the uh, the sin tangent. That was great. Yeah, let's let's ponder this for another uh, few years. And Why not? And come back on it and see, <laughs> do another beneath the surface on it in the future. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please email me at pjdm at uh, aol.com or just um, just um, email my blog at palmerano.com uh, or my YouTube page. So uh, beneath the surface with Paul Marano. John Tudoris, the man, the myth, the legend, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. And for John Tudoris, Paul Marano signing off beneath the surface where faith and reason meets. Glad you could join us tonight. Have a great week and God bless. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com breadbox.